You know, uh, throughout the scriptures, God is constantly calling his people to have an undivided heart. Over and over again, the people of God would have a divided heart. They would chase other gods, whether it be Baal or the God of the Amorites. But God was constantly calling them not to have a divided heart. He spoke to them about having a single eye for him, a single mind only for him. You remember that great call of Joshua in Joshua 24, 13 through 15? I hope it'll be on the screen. Joshua was about to die. He had led them across Jordan. They were now in the promised land. But they had a divided heart. So listen to what he says on Joshua 24, 13. I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities for which you did not build and you dwell in them. You eat of the vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Let me just stop there and say, that reminds me of salvation. God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. We could not save ourselves. We could not forgive ourselves. We could not live a life pleasing to God in our own power. And it's almost like God says, look what I've done for you. Just look what I've done for you in my son, Jesus Christ. So Joshua reminds them that they're in the land that God gave them. Now look on in verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth. Now, this is it. Put away the gods. They had other gods. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Get rid of those gods out of your life and serve the Lord. Now, in verse 15, he calls them to an undivided heart. Listen, if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, Choose you this day whom you will serve. He said, you can't continue to worship the God of the Amorites and the living God. So it says, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, I've settled it. I'm not going to chase any other God. I'm going to worship the one true living God. I will not have a divided heart. And verse 16, the people responded, far be it from us that we should serve, forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Well, not only did Joshua do that, but in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, Listen to what Moses did. Moses confronted the people of Israel that in, in Deuteronomy 30, <coughs> 19, about they had a choice. 
It's on the screen. Look at it. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. Now listen to what he said. I've set before you life and death. This is the living God. He said, listen, through Moses, he said to the people, I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. You know, it seems so unbelievable that the God who created this world, the God who has all power in heaven and in earth, the God who created us in, our, in his own image and gave us life, that he would have to constantly be reminding us, you shall have no other gods before me. No other gods. You can't have <clears throat> a divided heart. You can't have a doubled mind. But you say, well, what about the New Testament, Brother Fred? Well, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Boy, Jesus said it real clearly. All right, look at what he said in Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And then Jesus said it very clearly. No man, he says in um, right below that, that verse on the screen, he said, no man can serve two masters. Now Jesus made that clear. You can't serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other. You will despise the one or love the other one. You cannot serve God and mammon. <clears throat> so what we need to understand is this. It is an insult to God that we would try to serve him with a divided heart. That we would put other gods before him. And he just calls us to that. <clears throat> but the great one that I want you to see in our text today is 1 Kings chapter 18. Turn over there with you in your Bible. I'm going to get this water. Turn over to 1 Kings 18. And here's the great example of fire from heaven. The person here is Elijah. And the Bible says that Elijah was a great, great man of prayer. And that's why I chose him. Now, before we go to 1 Kings 18, let's go back to James chapter 5 and listen to how God describes the prayer of Elijah. Oh, that we might pray with this kind of power. That we might pray. Listen to what it says. In James 5, 16, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. Now listen to this. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person 
avails much. You know what it says? <clears throat> the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person makes a difference. It makes a difference. And then he went on and said about Elijah, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was a human just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain for three years and six months. <clears throat> and he prayed again, and heaven gave rain and produced its fruit. The effectual fervent prayer of a person avails much. Now, over in 1 Kings chapter 18, we see Elijah calling all the people of Israel together on Mount Carmel. And they're fixing to have a showdown with the prophets of Baal. So in, in, first, in uh, uh, first Kings, he goes on and says that the God that answers by fire, he's going to be the God. We, we notice in chapter 18 of First Kings, and we'll get into the details of it in a minute. But God said to Ahab, who was king of Israel, now stay with me. Get all the tribes of Israel together. Get them on Mount Carmel. So all of the 12 tribes of Israel gathered on Mount Carmel. He said, okay, get all the prophets of Baal. There were 400 prophets of Baal and 400 of Ashtaroth. He said, get them up there. And then he uh, challenged the children of Israel and he, and he challenged the prophets of Baal and, and Elijah said, now we're going to prepare a sacrifice. Now listen to what he said. And the God who answers with fire, the God who answers with fire and burns up the sacrifice, he is God. If Baal answers with fire and consumes the sacrifice, then Baal is God. But if Baal does not answer and Jehovah answers with fire, then he is God. <clears throat> you know, I got to thinking about it, about God answering with fire. Do you know that this fire is used to describe God? Over in Hebrews chapter um, 12, verses 28 and 29, he, he describes God as a God of fire. It says, Look at on the screen. Therefore, now he's going to call him the God of fire. Therefore, we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace. See, God's people are the only people who have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Everything in this world that is temporal will be shaken. And it will crumble. But we've got a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us have grace. God, give us grace that we may serve God acceptably with reverence and holy fear. And then it says, for our God is a consuming fire. What a picture of God. He's a consuming fire. Fire, fire cleanses, fire purifies, Fire consumes, 
the power of fire. Then he says, our God is a consuming fire. And the God who answers from heaven by fire and takes his sacrifice, well, he is God. You know what it says in Matthew 3.11? Boy, this is a strong word about Jesus. Now listen to what it says. Matthew 3.11. John the Baptist is speaking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who's coming after me, Jesus, is mightier than I am. I'm not worthy to unloose his sandals. He will baptize you, now listen, with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John said, I baptized you with water. But Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. You see, God is often compared to fire, which consumes, which cleanses, which purifies. You know, also in uh, Isaiah, where it's had sang just a moment ago, it asked God to come, and this is what it said. As fire burns brushwood, and as fire causes water to boil, God, you come in your power. Okay. So here's, here's the picture. All right. They've all gotten there on the mountain. The children of Israel, the prophets of Baal, and uh, I, Elijah asked him a question. And I'm going to spend the rest of the time in 1 Kings. Listen to the question he asked him. <clears throat> and really, it's a question he's asking every one of us here today. As I read this, he asked me this question. 1 Kings 18. And I want you to look at verse 21. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long... Will you falter? How long will you be divided with two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. If Baal is God, then follow him. And you go, you say, well, Brother Fred, I guarantee the children of Israel said, well, we're going to follow God. No, guess what? Look in verse 18. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. Get this. And the people answered not a word. They didn't say, oh, we're going to follow the God who brought us out of the land of Egypt. We're going to follow the God who brought us into the promise. Oh, no. You see, they began to follow after Baal. They had a divided heart. So Elijah confronted them. You cannot continue to straddle the fence. You cannot continue to be double-minded. You have got to make a choice. I heard of the story in the Civil War that there was a man who was right on the Mason-Dixon line and he couldn't decide which side he was going to fight for. He couldn't decide whether to fight for the North or fight for the South. He just was drawn between two opinions. So he decided, he put on a blue coat that represented the North, 
in gray pants that represented the South, went into battle, and both sides shot at him. <laughs> hey, if you have a divided heart, I guarantee you the enemy is going to shoot at you. God will not tolerate you having a divided heart. He's calling you to a single mind and a single heart. No other gods before me. Well, now here was the challenge. I love this. I just love it. Elijah said, what we're going to do is this. We're going to let the prophets of Baal go first. Y'all get, get two bulls. Y'all can pick them. Y'all take one bull. We'll take the other bull. He said, then you prepare an altar for those bulls, for the bull you have, and you prepare sacrifice, and then you call out to Baal and ask Baal to answer with fire and consume the sacrifice. And he said, whoever answers with fire, he's the God, he's God. Well, the prophets of Baal did exactly what Elijah said. <clears throat> they prepared an altar. They cut the bulls in pieces. They laid them on the altar. And they began to dance around the altar and began to cry out to Baal. Well, they started early in the morning. At noon, there was no answer. At noon, there was no reply. So Elijah said, no, he was getting kind of sarcastic with them. Well, your God must be on a vacation. <laughs> he must be asleep. He must be preoccupied. Well, they got desperate. And you know what the Bible says they did, which they often did? They began to cut themselves. And the blood was gushed from their arms. But they cried all afternoon. And Baal did not answer with fire. Because Baal was a false god. He was an idol. He had eyes he did not see. He had ears he did not hear. He had a mouth he did not speak. Well, then, I was, then Elijah said, okay, it's a time for the evening sacrifice. Now, I want to show you what he did. And this is kind of a type for us. I would love to see the fire of God fall from heaven. The fire of God fall on you and consume everything in you that's not of God. To purify you that you might be a vessel of honor. <clears throat> oh, to see the fire of God fall on this church that it might consume everything that is not God and purify us. Oh, as we would pray, Lord, let the fire fall because God is a consuming fire. So the first thing that uh, Elijah did in getting ready was he got a word from God what to do. Now listen, if we're going to pray in faith, stay with me. If we're going to pray in faith, if we're going to see God answer with fire, then we have to have a word from God. Look at ch chapter 18, verse 36. Elijah says, everything I did, I did at the direction of the living God. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice 
that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Now listen to what he said. I have done all these things at your word. Everything I'm done, Lord, everything was what you told me to do. And so now, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Jacob, answer and let everybody know that you're God. Listen, if we're going to pray the prayer of faith, and if we're going to pray the prayer that causes fire come to heaven, we have to have a word from God. And Elijah just didn't act on presumption. He acted at the command of God. He said, I've done everything that you told me according to your word. All right, look at verse 30. You know the first thing he did? This is sad, isn't it? The altar of the people had been destroyed. So you know what he had to do? It was broken down. I'm not here. Here are God's people. God's people that he brought out of Egypt, that he brought out of bondage, that he brought out of slavery. These are the people of God. And now the, the altar that where they offered sacrifices to God was broken down. Can you believe that? A broken down altar. And so in verse 30, Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him. He repaired the altar of the Lord, which was broken down. You know, I've got, I've got to thinking about that. Sometimes as God's children, we let things in our life that we should not let. We neglect the place of prayer. We get so consumed with this world and the things that are in this world. that God is on the fringe of our life. And before we know it, the altar to God has broken down in our life. Prayer is kind of foreign to us. It's not the center and the focus of our life. And you know, some of us, if we're going to have the fire of God fall on our children and the fire of God fall on our lives and the fire of God fall on this nation and the fire of God fall on this church and consume and purify, I'll tell you what we got to do. We got to repair the altar. We got to get on praying ground. Praying ground. We have to repair the altar. I want to ask you something. Now, this is just for you. Is the altar of God broken down in your life? Is that altar where you offer yourself to God and you present yourself to God and you call out to God? Is the altar in your life broken down before God? Then you need to repair it. You need to ask God's grace and God's wisdom and God's power. And you need to prepare the, repair the altar so the fire of God can fall. But then he did something else. Listen, <clears throat> he was doing what God told him to do. He repaired the altar and then he built a new altar. Look at verses 31 and 32. Very symbolic. Then Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Verse 32, 
Then with stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Hey, not only did he repair the broken down altar, but this was a new beginning for Israel, a new beginning for him. And so he repaired. He built a new altar on top of the one that he had prepared. Let me tell you something about God. Are you listening to me? God is the living God. God is not static and he is not stagnant. And one thing about the Christian life is God's always leading us. He's leading us on in the Christian life. He never lets us stay back here with an old altar. Sometimes he comes and brings us to a place of a new surrender, of a new journey in our life, of a new beginning. And sometimes we, on the old altar, which has been wonderful, God builds a new altar. And it's a new beginning in our life and a new beginning of our walk with God. Because God is the living God and he's constantly leading us on in a new direction. So he repaired the altar. And then he built a new altar in the name of the Lord. And then look at verse 33. He prepared the sacrifice. In verse 33 it says, he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the, laid it on the, uh, uh, he, he cut the wood in pieces, put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood and said, fill four water pots with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. He did that three times. So he's prepared, repaired the altar. He's built a new altar, symbolic of surrender. And then he says, okay, it's, we, we're going to make this difficult. We'll just see how big God is. So he put the two pieces of the bull on the wood, and he poured water on it. And then he told them, go get more water. And they poured water on it again. And then he said, go get more water. And they poured it on again. And there were trenches around where he had built and prepared the altar, and the trenches were absolutely full of water. I guarantee what he was saying. There's going to be no explanation for what happens but God. Oh, you might think, well, a spark caused the wood to catch on fire. Or you might try to explain away how this happened. He said, I'm going to put it where you can't explain it any other way. I'm going to wet that sacrifice down and I'm going to put the water around the altar, and it's going to be filling those trenches. And I'm telling you, let me say something to you. God, when God does something, he wants you to be sure that you know it's unmistakably God. We live in a time of unbelief. Everybody tries to explain away what God does. David Bullock gets healed of my senior gravis, and and the doctors say, well, that can't happen. That never happened. But here's been a long, long time. And, and David is, is healthy and, and running an Iron Man. I think he's crazy for doing that. But he's running an Iron Man. I'm just trying to run to the bathroom. I mean, he's just running an Iron Man. 